When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Japan's latest Formula One hero is a sensation both on and off the racetrack. He's a big character with a huge amount of raw talent and plenty of pace and potential. As Sonoda makes the move on Sebastian Vettel down into Tamburello. Sonoda the man on the move, having a beautiful race on home soil. Yuki Sonoda has already made a name for himself in Formula One. But this year, the pressure's on. Expectation, attention and fame are all things he's having to deal with, but he's enjoying being in the spotlight. The amount of people who ask me photos or reach to me increase year by year. I won't gonna lie, I'm enjoying being famous because I sometimes I can use a little bit of naughty strategy for a restaurant, for example. <laughs> yeah, no, not like that way. I can be more famous, I can have more relationship with the more person I want to. Hello and welcome to F1 Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson. This week's episode features one of the sport's rising stars, a man with a nation's expectations resting on his shoulders because no Japanese driver has ever won a Grand Prix. Could Yuki Tsunoda be the first? A 10th place finish in Melbourne last time out means Yuki is now the country's second highest point scorer in Formula One behind only Kamui Kobayashi. But how much more is there to come from Yuki? Well, his ascent to the top was astonishingly rapid. He went from racing in Japanese Formula 4 to his AlphaTauri seat in Formula 1 in the space of just three years. Now, 2023 feels like a defining year, a time to deliver, and the big bosses at Red Bull are keeping a close eye on his progress. We talk about what's expected from him, as well as the influence that Fernando Alonso has had on his career and the praise that Yuki's received from Lewis Hamilton and Kevin Magnussen. He also tells me why working with Daniel Ricciardo's former trainer has improved his fitness, how his relationship with new teammate Nick de Vries compares to his friendship with Pierre Gasly, and why he enjoys being famous. Yuki and I spoke over lunch in Melbourne ahead of the Australian Grand Prix. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It's great to have you on the show again. Thank you for your time. How are you? Really, really good. I really like Melbourne. So always uh, excited to come here. Um, had already coffee here, which is really, really nice. Coffee is good here, isn't oh, it? Oh, yes. The more, home of the latte, I think it is. Yeah, so it's like more towards the coffee you use the milk or like foam milk. It's really good. To be honest, I tried espresso. Maybe it was a little bit wrong place. Maybe I should go a little bit different place, but... Espresso was not my taste, I would say. I would I prefer more Italy-style espresso. Yuki, this is it's a mad <laughs> transformation that's going on in Formula 1 at the minute. With coffee, Valtteri Bottas started this transformation because, of course, mm. he now has his own coffee roasting business. And Joe Guanyu, as a result, is now into coffee. I feel you're into coffee as well. I also feel it's very apt that we're having a chat whilst you're eating because... <laughs> I tried to hide the sound of chewing or something like that. Um, <laughs> well, I was doing some research, possible. Yuki. I was doing some research and I thought, who better to talk to than Pierre Gasly about you? Of course, your, your former teammate at AlphaTauri. And he says, Yuki, A, eats a lot and B, talks about food a lot. So I feel for the listeners, tell us what you're having for lunch three days before the Australian Grand Prix. Currently, I'm eating... Um, Lobster cocktails, which is it's nice, and I order for the main is chicken. I haven't eaten yet, but I will, I will give you guys feedback soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's not burger and chips, and I can verify no. I have that. to eat uh, healthy stuff uh, in race week, so you know that's a bit of difficult stuff. But for me, um, lobster cocktails for far is maybe. I'm normally a strict guy for the rating, especially to the food. So I give um, seven point. 
8 out of 10. That's pretty good, I think. It's not bad, in, yes. In the world of Yuki. Yeah. The food critic that you, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm, on top of it, I'm really hungry now. So maybe that helps as, as well. So I think Australia is one of the country that I also like the food. Like especially Aussie beef. It's really, really nice. I had Aussie beef last night. It's super, super good. Is this like they're doing a kind of uh, hybrid between like Wagyu and Aussie beef? And uh, I can tell that it's really hybrid. So I can taste a bit of Wagyu side, also Aussie beef taste side. So like Aussie beef itself is, I think, is a little bit more chewy than Wagyu, a little bit harder to chew. And Wagyu is really like buttery, isn't it? Like just melt. But sometimes for me, because of also I got used to it to like more towards European meat, which is more chewy and less fat, which is really nice as well. So actually when I went back to Japan last year, I feel really like too heavy for me. I mean, initial bites always I've, like, impressive. I always feel, oh, love Wagyu. Um, I want to eat 365 days every day. Um, <laughs> but after like fifth bite, it starts to struggle a bit, a little bit. Um, so actually Aussie beef kind of hybrid Wagyu is, uh, is for me, it's like literally spot on, like amount of fat and also like kind of how soft it is. It's, uh, it's really nice. So I really enjoyed it. Yuki, what a fantastic way to start the podcast <laughs> with you talking about a hybrid of Wagyu beef yeah. and, and Aussie beef. I love it. But also I find that food is a way of, of getting around jet lag, isn't it? Definitely. You know, you just your energy levels are down and you just go for that mm. sugar fix, I suppose, 100%. in my world. Anyway, I got in at 2 a.m. this morning, so I'm Oof. slightly here, And I'm looking at your food going, <laughs> oh, my God. Have you got a solution for jet lag, by the way? One solution is just maybe exercise in the morning to wake your body up. Um, normally also in Italy or normal time, I also exercise in the morning rather than afternoon. So that kind of normal routine kicks my brain up. So I did uh, two days in a row last last two days in the morning for training. And um, Still, I struggled a lot in the late afternoon yesterday, actually, around 5 p.m., also in the first day as well. But uh, I think that's way, first option. And the second option, like you say, is the food. And are you still waking up at 4 in the morning or are you sleeping through? First day, I woke up like 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. I'm actually able to slept after um, until 8 a.m. So it's kind of okay. Uh, last night was really good sleep, actually. It was the best sleep from last three days so i'm really happy you're in the zone you're ready to go it starts to get ready yeah (laughs) um so far jet lag is uh, slightly hitting me harder than expected that's why also one of the reasons i came here much earlier than usual to adapt my body to the jet lag well just you wait till you get a bit older I, i talked to fernando alonso about this and he said that one of the things about getting older is that the jet lag hits you harder oh (laughs) (laughs) but let's talk 2023 on track uh, as you tuck into some more of that lobster cocktail cocktail. look how would you sum up progress in 2023 so far we've had a couple of races p11 in both actually saudi was your third consecutive p11 because you ended p11 in 2022 in saudi yes i did not actually i forgot that one so it's three times in a row it's p11 how are you feeling about it all so far First of all, I like the number 11. <laughs> it's my favorite number. So, I mean, I will take that. But at the same time, obviously, it's a position just behind points. So, makes me, you know, a little, a little bit kind of frustrated at the same time. Like, you know, like really wants to score points. I would say last three races, this is from Abu Dhabi. I would say it was good races. Um, pretty happy with the performance. For this year, I think um, ended up really closely in the P10, always in, in before the finish line. So yeah, makes me a little bit frustration, especially Saudi Arabia. We just lost the position in last four laps, which is I was defending like more than 15 laps, 20 laps with uh, such a difficult track. So um, yeah, it was uh, really frustration. But at the same time, I'm pretty happy with my performance. Um, I think I gave it all. Everything, 100%, every race, is, which, is, which is the most important thing to show my performance and um, to progress. So it's mixed feeling, definitely. But obviously, I would need a point here. Magnussen trying to get past, trying to go around the outside of Sonoda. He's invited to have a look at the runoff. Good defending from Sonoda. Good on the brakes there, on the absolute limit of the Alpha Tauri, but he didn't go in deep. 
managed to uh, to force K-Mag to stay out there and risk a crash or back off and fight for another day. And Magnussen backed off. Here we go again. DRS open. Yuki Tsunoda staying ahead of Magnussen. Tactical games being played, but they both lock up into turn one. They're both deep. Oh, that's a pass and a half for Kevin Magnussen to take the final point. Kevin Magnussen spoke very highly after the race in Saudi Arabia, saying how good your racecraft was and, and the positioning of your car and how difficult it was to overtake you. What does it mean when a rival says something like that about you? Obviously, it's uh, really happy to hear that. And um, yeah, really honored to also hear from Kevin as well. He's, he's a hard racer as well. Definitely. Still, I enjoyed a lot the battle between Kevin yeah, as I can tell even from back mirror how he's trying to, you know, kind of make the plan to overtake me, you know, like especially Saudi Arabia last corner, there's a DRS detection point just right after last corner. So you don't want to overtake a last corner because anyway, the car behind will get DRS and you're just going to overtake it again. It is a bit of also kind of strategy plan was going on. First two attempts from Kevin was trying to overtake me as main straight so he didn't overtake me at uh, last corner to wait for DRS detection point but actually I think our car was better or slightly I was actually having good acceleration from last corner so I tried to maximize the performance as much as possible to make the gap to not let him uh, overtake easy as much as possible and it was working well and also like I don't want to do also same thing exactly the same defense uh, two, two times in a row because I mean Kevin is a uh, like you said, uh, hard attacker, aggressive. He's also really good at overtaking. So, you know, you want to show the same thing or else he just got to adapt quickly. So um, it was really difficult. Actually, I just gave my all to defend as much as possible. And yeah, actually third attempt that when he overtook me last corner uh, before DRS, the detection point, and I got DRS and I overtook once in his main straight. But after overtaking me in the main straight, I went inside to defend him. Actually, he went even more inside, which is really dusty part, which I didn't also expect to, like, he he went as much as inside there because also more dusty plays is going to be more tricky in a breaking zone. And, yeah, it was really impressive that he break at the right point on the limit and uh, he able to stop the car uh, before the white line. So... Yeah, so really... Okay, you're throwing the compliment back in his direction exactly, now as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, there's lots of things was going on in that kind of 15 laps. So I still remember each kind of moment that he tried to overtake me while I was defending. So or still was good learning. I was actually simulating after the race how I can defend better next time. And I found a couple of new tools that I can defend. Hopefully, I don't have to use that, obviously, to Kevin again. But, um, yeah, I, it was good learning as well. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Where do you learn that kind of racecraft? Or are you still learning it? Of course I'm learning it. Actually, I'm my strengths from karting, I would say my battle... I really like battle and uh, I don't lose much uh, when when battle happens. Uh, it was kind of my strength that I have big confidence. And also I learned a lot from lots of drivers, especially after I stepped up to Formula One, especially from Fernando Alonso. There was a kind of story. So last year, or 2021, I think. Yeah, 2021 actually. In Hungary, uh, when Luis was starting from pole, but he actually... If I remember correctly, he started like just him and everyone spitting um, before the start to change the tires. 
and you know big strategy from Mercedes, and he had to pit right after race start, and he went back behind all of the grid. He he was kind of overtaking all the cars in the race. When Lewis tried to overtake me, obviously I tried everything I can to defend as much as possible to Lewis, but he passed me in like maybe four laps. I would say Fernando in another point maybe Alpine uh, Fatari was having a similar performance car. And after he passed me, Luis passed me, maybe Fernando was driving P4, P3. He was defending like more than maybe 10 laps, I think eight laps. Defending, he yeah. did 10 laps defending from Luis. I think so, yeah. yeah. And in the end, he Luis couldn't overtake him or he maybe he was able to overtake him. Wasn't he it? got overtake passed him. eventually, but, yeah. but, but Fernando put in a heroic yeah. defense. That was, uh, actually I watched that race and the thing I got impressed a lot from Fernando and I think I can do, well, I learned from it a lot. I saw what, what did you learn from Fernando in that Like race? car positioning and also like where he trying to gain from Lewis before he got overtaken. Obviously, um, you know, at that point, Mercedes was faster than Alpine. But actually, he also misses Lewis was in dirty air. And um, in last corner, Hungary, it's really difficult to kind of be close as much as possible because it's kind of medium speed corner so like also downforce requires there so also it's not easy for Luis as well so I think Fernando know that well knew about that and he tried to kind of maximize the last corner's uh, performance and um, he gained as much as possible before the main straight Luis struggled to overtake him he had to overtake at like turn four which is a little bit strange quick um, corner yeah corner to overtake because normally Hungary is a place that you can overtake mainly before turn one or even before turn two but because of he couldn't because he was maximizing the performance from last corner so yeah i learned a lot of things from him and um after that actually was having a turkey grand prix and there was another situation that I had to defend from lewis i did kind of similar thing i tried to different thing tried to copy as much as possible fernando and i able to actually defend from him eight laps this time and Lewis talked about that after the race as well. He said he had a great battle with you. Oh, uh, really? In Turkey, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that, definitely, uh, especially from Lewis. Isn't it satisfying, though, to watch Fernando, to watch Lewis and all these guys, and to be able to put into practice what you see them doing? Yes, I, th- I think um, like it's good that I can... I'm literally learning a lot of things from those legends, I would say, um, which uh, was... Watching from since I maybe when I was seven years old, um, they were still racing in front of me in Japanese Grand Prix, and you know they're still racing, uh, which means they're you know obviously good drivers, uh, as we all know. I'm driving literally you know next to them, and um, learn from it really close to be better drivers. So it's uh, it's really it's really good. Yeah, it's really also enjoyable moment that I'm learning a lot and kind of show in the next race. And if we talk about who you respect on the grid the most, have you just mentioned the two names? Is it Lewis and Fernando? Well, I'm respecting every driver, obviously. Um, but I think i kind of fan of maybe Fernando. My, because of my dad loves Fernando. When I went to Suzuka Grand Prix when I was like maybe 12 or something like that, last corner, my dad was saying yeah, Fernando's driving is uh, out of last corner. It's because it's not easy out of last corner in Suzuka. A little bit of kind of angle to the right and um but at the same time you have to accelerate so it's kind of slides down you cannot just go flat out for throttle um easily i can see from the line or steering or car movement that he's wiggling towards the outside and just he was going just close the white line which is if you step on the grass it just goes straight into the wall because of such a high speed there but he was consistently going close to the white line with uh, lots of wiggling uh, slides down and just, you know, nailing every lap. So, which was kind of, my dad was explaining to me. So um, you were in the grandstand on the outside of the yeah, last time was Suzuka. Yeah. And this was the sort of conversation that was going on. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think yeah, that was a conversation we, we had. My dad was a fan of Fernando. And yeah, since from then, I mean, I watched a little bit more than usual towards Fernando and yeah still can't believe I'm racing with him just incredible I didn't expect at that point that I'm racing with him in what 13 years is he friendly in the driver's briefing yeah definitely he's a he's really friendly and he's he's really nice guy actually we did a helmet swap with him 
obviously I wanted to do helmet swap since I became Formula One driver or even before. But you know, it's just I was too nervous to ask him to swap the helmets, so I never able to actually reach to him that to say, "Can we do helmet swap?" But actually, at one point maybe last year, I think around Spain Grand Prix or something like that, he actually started to reach me and said, "Yuki, let's do helmet swap." Like at that point, it was my literally my brain blows blows up and. Actually, I'm really, really happy. You know, like actually, I try to not show my happiness fully in front of him because it feels a bit, bit embarrassing. But yeah, in my in my in my heart, I'm just really, really happy. And uh, yeah, straight away after that day, I just called straight away to dad. And yeah, one of the things that Aston Martin say they've been surprised by with Fernando is just how humble he is for a man who has achieved what he's achieved in the sport, mm-hmm. who's been around for as long as he's been around. They say he is just. Uh, very humble, very friendly, and uh, the story you've just told uh, yep. just shows that perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, it's actually it's a little bit different kind of image I was thinking before actually I met Fernando and talked to him. Like a little bit, I was expecting that Fernando is more like um, I don't know, he's a legend, and um, I didn't expect definitely as much as he's now like friendly. And like chatty and uh, it was actually a lot of places I was expecting was different. Given everything you've just said, the battle I want to see now is you defending from Fernando. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I think the car is a little bit far away to defend, well, I think, so hey, far. Look, let's talk about the car. Is it more competitive than the results have shown so far this year? I got P11 both races, which in my opinion, I think... We maximized the positions and also a bit of luck on top of it as well because Charles was also having DNF in um, Bahrain. A couple of drivers was having um, issues or something like that and two drivers, I think, in front of me. That helps a lot. And also in Saudi, uh, Lance had a car failure as well, so I gained one position automatically. I got also luck from the safety car. So when safety car happens... Until then, I didn't pit, and most of the drivers in front of me pitted just lap before safety car happened. So I didn't lose position when I did pit stop. So I ended up rejoining the track. I was like P8 or something like that. So I wouldn't say car had more performance or potential uh, than the position I ended up last two races. I'm pretty satisfied for the result, and I think we should be happy with it. But at the same time, we kind of know that we have to develop more to be in the points without any luck. What are the shortcomings? What do you need more of? I guess we just need more grip, so yeah. more downforce. Increasing downforce without sacrificing any drag. So also drag, we're having too much. The straight line speeds, we're one of the worst. Um, so compared to Williams, we're kind of 12 kph slower consistently uh, without DRS open. Actually, when I was behind Alex in Bahrain, it was almost same speed. <laughs> I'm using DRS and he's not doing easy DRS and all same speed. So that's why I really, really struggle to overtake him. And even compared to Red Bull, we're having the same engine and we're still losing 10 kph to them. To them. So we need to definitely reduce the drag. I want to have at least 3 kph or 4 kph faster than now. At the same time, more downforce. That's a difficult bit. You know, it's easy to have increased the downforce, but always there's a bit of consequences. Well, there's good news, isn't there? Because you've got a, a new aerodynamicist starting. Yep. So everything's pointing in the right direction. What is the vibe in the team this year? How is it different to last year? Uh, I think vibe is most of it's similar. I would say I like the vibe now more. Maybe it's like, it's a little different. Each day is a little bit different. For example, 2021, we had a good car and um, everyone was kind of feeling always positive talking about always about scoring, how to score points, oh, which is not much difference, but yeah, still a little bit different. For example, this year, I think we all have to admit that we are all in, under pressure because last year we didn't able to perform as we wanted, and um, including me as well. So yeah, I think we had a kind of bit of extra pressure to kind of achieve the performance, better performance than last year, which we have definitely achieved. But at the same time, which is a good thing, that we're in the same direction. We're in the same page. We're all in under pressure. 
uh, we are aiming for exactly the same things that what we want. So I feel like more as a team, we uh, we working much more, I would say, in one than last two years. So we're struggling now, but at the same time, we've always been positive and try to always extract performance from the car as much as possible. So yeah, actually I'm enjoying now. Car performance is not there. Still, I'm enjoying how we can develop the car as much as possible to you know give the feedback to the team. So yeah, it's it's good. Talking of pressure, let's talk about your team principal now, Franz Toss, because in Saudi he came out with a comment <laughs> saying that he no longer trusts. Ouch! Yeah, well, exactly. No longer trusts yeah. the engineers at the team because they said they were going to deliver me a good car, and we don't have a good car. What does that do to a team when the boss comes out saying something like that? And is he as hard on the drivers as he is his engineers? Well, obviously, it's defender situation. You know, if I, for example, didn't perform really bad, or for example, if I perform really bad, or if I did a stupid thing, like I um, ended up crashing into teammate like last year I did in Silverstone. Let's see what happens to Sonoda. Oh, my goodness, it was both Alpha Tauris making contact. He's lost the rear under braking. Looks like he's locked the rear up and then Pierre actually left enough room and had to get out of it but ended up a bit of contact and spinning as well. So it didn't even really seem like anyone was at fault there. He just locked the rear and, and made a mistake. Obviously, he won't be happy about it. But at the same time, he always says the point that I have to improve next time. He's not happy, but he always not being too hard actually so he always be side of the driver 100% which I really appreciate it and that's why I'm able to kind of develop as a driver like this much because of if I feeling too much pressure from him I think I don't think I was able to improve as much as now because I think um, he's always supportive um, well, he's a former driver himself, which must yeah, help. Right? Yeah, Obviously definitely. not Formula One, but he raced in Formula Ford. And yes. Did he get as high as Formula Three? But So he, he, he thinks, he knows what you're going through, I suppose. Exactly. And I think, um, which I always enjoy also having conversation with him about racing as well. So he's been on driver's side 100%. He's straight, definitely. He's always tell the points that he wants straight away uh, without going any you know, round. That's good, actually, it's for me. It's more direct. To the team, well, the things that he said, you know, trusting, not no longer much trusting the engineers, uh, maybe that's the thing that maybe he didn't meant to say. He's just really direct. But he's still definitely, I think, uh, trusting the engineers. At the same time, it's the truth that he was not expecting like this bad. I think he was expecting much higher this year's car. So, which let me definitely give him a little bit more frustration than usual. I can tell that he's still, of course, trusting the team and he's always in debrief. He's trying to always make a good comment um, to kind of cheer up the team. That's a definitely good thing from France. Go on. What did he say after Silverstone last year? <laughs> What's an angry Franz like? Is he like Gunter Steiner? Does he swear and punch walls? And... No, no, no. Um, he don't punch me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he don't punch me. The... Pleased to hear that. <laughs> well, um, well, definitely the voice was definitely higher than usual. First of all, he said to me when I was in the engineer room, Yuki, come to my office. And uh, well, I, I, I of course knew he will say something to me. First of all, he said, why you did the kind of such a stupid thing, um, you know, which I agree. He was so disappointed on actually, unfortunately, on the way back to Italy, it was the same flight. <laughs> and uh, we were sitting next to each other. That's a long flight. Yeah, I still remember. Also to the airport from Silverstone, was in the same car. Actually, I was having lots of traffic, in, you know, just enter before the entrance. So that's such a long, long travel than usual in the Silverstone, I remember. And I'm um, just definitely mad at traffic, you know, than usual. This is really frustrating, um, causing the kind of such a bad thing to the team. And we're still in the same same car. <laughs> have to deal with it in the next uh, couple of hours until we go back to hot Italy. They're definitely the things I want to forget. But same, I mean, I definitely I need to, uh, things that I have to remember for the future to improve myself, yeah. He's come out recently and said he's not going to be team principal 
of Alpha Tauri by the time he's 70. Okay. He said that recently. How um, old he's? He's 67 now. 67. Okay, three years. Later. How, how much do you think the team would miss him? I would definitely miss if I if I mean Afatari. I think France is the guy we share a lot kind of moment together. We and always in the same page. When we yeah had a bad race, we you know obviously we frustrated at the same time. Also Francis frustrated, but at the same time he always give what we want to achieve next time and what we have to improve, and always kind of give the idea to the engineers that or direction. Uh, what they have to do. He's definitely having a lot of leadership. I don't see much, you know, other Formula 1 team manager. I think each Formula 1 team manager is different. Also, France itself is a lot different compared to other, other team managers. So, he's just a guy, the only one in the paddock. So, we'll definitely miss him. I'll definitely miss him, especially he, I'm feeling always 100% support from him. So, if I, you know, lose him, just uh, maybe I don't feel much, you know, comfortable or feeling um feeling like excited or something like that in the team um compared to usual yeah is your relationship with him paternal is he like a father figure for you in formula one grandpa <laughs> <laughs> more towards like grandpa maybe yeah but yeah, i think yes yeah, the one he always said to me the the word is like kind of that yes um after the race, you know, if I have good race, he's always said, you did such a good job, really happy with you or something like that. So, you know, each moment, um, I always have kind of feedback from him, which is a good thing. It's just like, you know, if it's bad race, it's, just, it's good that I hear it was bad so I can improve next time. You know, I, I definitely can having an idea for next time what, what I have to improve. If it's, if it's good race, it's just, um, he always congrats me, you know, give me always kind of supportive words, which always feels happy. So, yeah, maybe it's like that. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And when he goes, I wonder who Red Bull will put in charge of Alpha Tauri. I've always thought that Sebastian Vettel would be a brilliant team principal. I wonder what it would take to get him back. That would be really interesting and i think um it's not british way to say interesting he's i'm really interested to see how how um sebastian gonna be team manager i think also even he can be anything so for example even well you know helmut is doing now rebel junior you know if helmut being another job or something like that i think sebastian is also really good that you know take caring of rebel juniors he because he's driver and a most recent driver and um one of the you know most successful driver in the Formula One. That's a really good point. So you see Sebastian more likely to take over from Helmut than taking over from Franz, almost doing the whole Red I Bull I feel thing. like, yes, mm. I think to be team manager is a little bit different. For me, there's more chance, in my opinion, to Sebastian to be like a Helmut uh, place or helping Helmut. That's a great idea, I think. Um, I think Sebastian know each, always get a point and I, you know, I can tell from always briefing from last year race briefing or we always do before qualifying you know he always say the points that what where we have to improve in terms of track the curve or something like that first guy he raised the hand so i think i suppose sebastian to be a kind of that guy yeah yuki we need to push harder on tires they are looking good now we need to open the gap to vettel push flat out i am shut up P16 Nayuki, P16. I can't f with this car. Yuki, come down. Let's talk about radio communications. Are you less emotional over the airwaves now than you were? A little bit, yes. Maybe compared first year. Sometime I shout, but I'm just not pressing radio button, which is. I think important thing because there's no point that I'm shouting for the engineers, no? Engineers always want to hear my feedback. In terms of feedback I gave to the team about the car or situation, I definitely improved a lot compared to the first year because I know what's going on around the cars and more, much more than the first year. Because the first year is just really difficult to say, you know, I'm driving on the limit or, you know, what switches I have to do it kind of any like suggestion from the engineer to ask something like that um but now i know what's going on fully to the car uh to the situation for strategy 
Ready conversation is one of the biggest things I improved a lot since from first year. What about outside the car? You've got a new trainer in Michael Italiano. Are you fitter than you've ever been? Definitely. I think I develop every year. I will develop the, my physical fitness every year, which is a good thing, even when I was working with uh, Noah as well. Fortunately, uh, with Noah, uh, we couldn't um, walk this year because of his uh, personal reason. We're still good friends. And I think also with Michael, I think Michael with Mike, uh, we get along super fast. Well, first time we actually properly met was Dubai training camp, which I did on January. We spent two weeks straight away together <laughs> without not having much conversation before. But we get along well so much from first day. In two weeks training camp, I didn't have much muscle soreness, which is a good thing. I'm in a good shape. Um, even I did lots of work, uh, strength session. I didn't have much. I'm feeling fresh always thereafter. The one particular place I had muscle soreness was my abs. Because of I, I, we were laughing so much. <laughs> <laughs> we were laughing so much. And uh, every day, actually, most of like 80% of the training camp, I had always muscle soreness in my abs. I mean, it uh, was really funny thing. Uh, actually, at the same time, tells me that I, I felt all feeling comfortable straight away to him, which is really good to kind of fight uh, training three races with him together in the same um, environment. So, so far, I'm really, really happy with him, working with him, yeah. And you spend more time with him than anybody else, so it is important, Definitely. It? Yeah, it's really, really important. That I think I want to concentrate, obviously, physical fitness, but at the same time, also the friendship. I want to be like really friends with my trainer rather than just business relationship. So for me also helps a mentality side, you know, race week, you know, I, I want to be trainer, the guy I can always straight away have conversation, what I'm feeling, what I'm feeling not good. Uh, you know, I just really want to be really open to my trainer. Has Michael come and moved to Faenza with you, or is he is he still in? I he's guess still in London. Yeah, he's in London because he, of course, worked with Daniel Ricciardo before. Yeah. Do you see much of him between the races? When I go to London, yeah, we always try to catch up as much as possible to also train as well. At the same time, like February or something like that. Until then, I didn't have much interest in London. Uh, I mean, I like London, but not as much as now. The things that changed is. Uh, Michael took me around the London, the place I never went. For example, like VR gaming, uh, which he took me, or in a restaurant as well. VR gaming was really impressive in London. I don't want to say the shop name, or because we get busy. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to do again definitely, but like VR, VR gaming. He took me. We did like uh, with his family and myself. So also, <laughs> able to kind of um, met his family as well. It was really, really nice. We did all VR gaming together, like vintage shop, clothing shop. Because uh, me and Michael loves uh, clothes as well. So we go, we went uh, together, vintage uh, clothes shop in London. Well, I can say this name, Brick Lane, Brick Lane Market, which is good. The Brick Lane Market I want to talk about is just beautiful place because there's a vintage shop under the ground the whole huge vintage clothes shop, which is uh, really amazing. But on the ground floor, there's a street food market. You can taste a lot of cuisines food there. I just literally feels like in heaven. I tried from side to side and uh, it was really, really nice. What was your favorite? My favorite was actually the Asian food, bao. The bao there was super good, really impressive. And I actually, uh, I felt super full. Yuki, are you done with Fienza? I'm sensing that you're going to be living <laughs> in London before we know it. Fienza is good. I started also got used to it more than uh, last two years. Uh, it's just Italian, more Italian vibe and culture. It's good in Fienza because most of the day in the breakfast, I always go to the same cafe and I say it's solito. It's solito is like Nepalese have the same as usual. Or something Italian, and they, and they know what the they usual know, yeah. is. So I just sit as a usual place, and they bring every uh, the usual stuff that I always eat. That kind of Italian breakfast, kind of you know, in the morning, I really really like it and with a cappuccino, and uh, yeah, just so beautiful. It gets you into the factory, I suppose, most days. I would say yeah, definitely once before uh, race. Also, I went uh, before Australia, um, but at the same time, I mainly walk for gym stuff and like uh, train myself and you do that without michael next to you yes does he set you a program yes he always set the program 
I always go to the normally to the team's gym or either also there's a also other trainer near to my house called Jose. Jose um I always go there, drive a performance um and um yeah, train there. Other than that, I'm always also doing a sauna. Wow, that's the kind of training session I can do. <laughs> it is. It's a heat <laughs> adaptation training. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a, but at the same time, also relax as well. But, uh, Good I re- for Singapore. Really love sauna, yeah. How famous are you now? How famous? How, yeah. How easy is it for you to get around when you're in somewhere like London in particular? When I walk London or in Europe, the amount of people who ask me photos or you know reach to me increase um, year by year, which is always good do you enjoy Feels the fame famous. Thing? do you enjoy it definitely i won't gonna lie i'm enjoying being famous because you know i sometimes i can use a little bit of naughty naughty strategy for the restaurant for example <laughs> do you I, know <laughs> who i am yeah. no, no not like that way i can you know the, be more famous i can have more relationship with the more kind of the person i want to or something easier slightly easier to kind of reach to them i don't like to say I'm a Formula One driver, so could you please book it for me? Like I, I never introduced myself as a Formula One driver, even like sometimes you know passport check or. Um, what do you say you do then? I say, <laughs> motorsports. Motorsports driver is uh, one of the things tools I always use, and I just say sometimes traveler. <laughs> traveler. <laughs> well, I've got a confession to make. You know, um, when you go into one of the cafes when you put your order in they say what's your name and then you pick it yes. up at the end of the counter yeah i never say tom i always say the name of a formula one driver and i have <laughs> said i'm yuki before <laughs> i don't think you looks like a yuki though <laughs> they just write it down okay and then you in front of everybody they say uh, yuki please cappuccino <laughs> actually maybe the good idea maybe i'll use that i wouldn't use maybe formula one drivers more like i'll say christian Ronaldo, for example <laughs> Uh, maybe uh, all the people, you know, sitting in the maybe the cafe will looks at me. But how was Suzuka from a fame point of view? Do you get stopped a lot? Yes, uh, uh, Suzuka Grand Prix was uh, was really crazy actually, um, which I ne- didn't expect as much as that. Even we were kind of filming the Netflix in the grandstand, which we saw there was no no people, so which we, we we went there and just filmed the. And after three minutes, just, if you see around, there's more than hundred people watching us filming which i didn't expect it uh, as much as that much tension which, which is really happy to see as a japanese formula one driver so a new teammate this year nick devries how are you guys rubbing along together it's good with nick uh, we, we were already friends before even we've been together in a team we are already friends since from maybe three years ago or something like that four years ago so when did you meet back then first time it was the flight to monaco I knew obviously Nick since I was actually from karting. I see from magazine that Nick having a lot of, you know, having championship, something like that. So I knew about him since from what, eight years old, nine years old. But actually I never reached him actually. And um, first time was actually from him. When I got pole position uh, from the two Instagram post about me, Nick Debris said, uh, you know, like congratulations or something like that, I, um, I'm supporting him or something like that. So like, wow, Nick actually saying that to me, and um, you know, which I didn't expect. And since from then, I start to see more about Nick and um, we talk a little bit on Instagram, um, but we never actually get able to speak in person until three years ago, first day in Formula One in Monaco, yeah. Let's talk about Nick, the racing driver. When you look at his data, what impresses you? I think more towards like high speed, um, also especially street circuit, he's really always nailed really close at the wall, uh, which I think he's got trained from Formula E, which are lots of street circuit in Formula E uh, races. Also, I got impressed a lot more towards like feedback he gives the team. He's really specific, giving us a lot of information about car after feedback. Most of it is spot on and amount of feedback he was saying it was much more than me already in the Abu Dhabi Young Driver Test. So, which I learned from him a lot, which is really good. And I still learn anything from him. Are you saying the same thing about the car? Most of it saying similar thing, yes. But um, my perspective, it's kind of a little bit different. But yeah, most of it we're saying similar thing, yes. But I think driving style itself is a lot different to Nick. 
And how quick is he? He's definitely quick. You know, as as we saw already from last year's Italian Grand Prix, uh, he adapted so quick and he got score points, which is really incredible thing. And you know, he just drove FP three or something like that FP one, FP two, FP three. That's it. So it's really impressive. And also he he were first in driver championship in Formula E, which is is really high level as well in competition in motorsports as well. So I mean, as we know, he's quick. He's just learning still, I think. So, uh, yeah. And how different is your relationship with Nick to the one that you had with Pierre Gasly? Yeah, it's definitely different. Pierre was more like brother. <laughs> um, just really fully open. Maybe it was sometimes too much open. So, like, I, like, I was just really, really comfortable. And uh, with Nick, still, we're having a good relationship with his really friends. So, sometimes jokes with each other. I would say, like, brother, but it's a uh, it's really, really good friend. So even I went uh, with him uh, for the lunch together, exploring a little bit in Melbourne City. We had a uh, street food uh, at the Melbourne. We just had uh, like a Japanese food or something like that. And um, yeah, we's, we're having a good relationship. So you're still hanging out, even though you're not teammates anymore? Yeah, w- when we see uh, at the track, definitely we say hi. He's living in Milan, so anytime I can text him and just go to Milan and have a, have a food, yeah. It's an interesting relationship, the one between teammates in Formula One. Do you think you can be too comfortable with a teammate? Do you think a little bit of competitive tension is necessary to bring the best out of a racing driver? As soon as we wear helmet, we're just really rivals. So I don't think it's necessary to be like a bit of um, tension between us. Anyway, we are going to automatically uh, be in that kind of zone that you know, teammate is one of the driver that, you know, we want to beat most. So anyway, it's going to be that kind of mindset anyway. So I think there's no point or it'll be much easier to be just normal friends rather than driver friend. Yeah. And the midfield is so close. Oh, yeah. So too close. Why? Well, <laughs> that I'm sure you're going to end up having lots of close battles with Pierre. So far, I think they have a bit of um, advantage for now, but hopefully we can close up that gap. Even though last two races, Bahrain, we were able to kind of race each other together. Bahrain, we had a bit of a fight between us, which is uh, from turn one to turn 10. It was quite a long battle, uh, which I enjoyed it. In also Saudi, I uh, got a little bit of luck and I ended up, P exit, ended up in front of him, which was I was P8 or P7. At that point, he passed me slightly easier than uh, Bahrain, but... Yeah, I think so far we're having a bit of a always um, battle. So, yeah, hopefully I can uh, one one day, one race, I can um, pass him opposite. So far, we just I got overtaken every time. So, yeah, I need to definitely decide <laughs> at some point I have to overtake him. But, yeah. Well, look, which race this year do you think is going to suit your car the most? Is there one race that you're particularly looking forward to? I was actually expecting the car was suit well in the Saudi, so <laughs> which was a little bit different. So I wouldn't expect too high, um, but one of the closest Grand Prix that I'm maybe looking forward specifically more will be uh, Imola, which is home Grand Prix. And then I scored P7 last year, which was highest. Um, and yeah, Imola is a home Grand Prix for Scuderia Fatari. So hopefully I can uh, score points there. As a car, it's really hard to say so far, but... We just need more developed car because I think we don't have pace to score points consistently. So hopefully in the closest, maybe Grand Prix, I'll say, will be uh, Imola to score points. Well, look, Yuki, best of luck with everything. It's Thank been you. fantastic to chat to you. Thank you for coming on the podcast again and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you very much. See you at the press conference. <laughs> <laughs> ah, who doesn't love Imola, Yuki? Well, what a great chat. Yuki said a lot of interesting things, but if I were to choose one highlight, it would be his thoughts on Fernando Alonso, what Yuki's learned from him on track, including watching him age 12 at Suzuka's final corner with his dad. And that story about the helmet swap, ah, just brilliant. Oh, and the muscle soreness in his abs after laughing so much with his trainer, Michael Italiano. There's clearly a great vibe in the Yuki camp. Yuki, many thanks for your time. It was great to see you again and good luck with the remainder of the season. Now, as ever, please send in your thoughts and stories about Yuki. Have you seen him race at Suzuka's final corner, perhaps? 
Do you think he can become Japan's first Formula One race winner? Let me know by all the usual means. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1 on Twitter or use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. Which segues beautifully into what you sent in about Jonathan Palmer after last week's show. He's had an amazing career, has Jonathan, and it seems many of you enjoyed hearing from him. Let's start with this from Tim. That was such a good interview. Thanks, Tim. I remember Jonathan co-commentating with Murray Walker when I watched Formula One as a kid. I had no idea about how good he was in the junior formulas or his technical expertise as a driver. I really enjoyed it. Well, glad you enjoyed it, Tim. And yes, Jonathan certainly had a great CV in the junior formulas. And what about this from Simon Hearn? I first heard of Dr. Jonathan Palmer through Radio Victory's much-missed track talk radio show with Rob Widows. Pocket money was sent to Racing for Britain to support him in Formula 3, and I'm sure I have a helmet sticker somewhere. Cheered him on in Formula 3, Formula 2, Formula 1 and Group C thereafter. Well, you definitely contributed to Jonathan's career, Simon. That's great stuff. And here's another one from David Smith. Great episode, Tom. Thank you. I was at Brands in 84 for the Formula One race and a week later for the sports cars. After the 1,000 kilometres, the podium drivers had a victory parade and I waited for them at the end of the pit lane. 14-year-old me was overjoyed at meeting JP, who signed my programme. I hope you've still got that programme, David, but what an epic two weeks of racing at Brands. That's a great story. Thank you. And finally, hear this from Dean Stewart. That's an excellent Beyond the Grid with Jonathan Palmer. Thank you, Dean. The first Grand Prix I attended was in 1983 at Brands, so I saw his first start. JP was that rare commodity of a good Formula One driver who was erudite and articulate off track, and the account of Imola 94 was particularly moving. Write that book, JP. Well, if we all talk about the book enough, Dean, then maybe he will write it. Look, thank you to all of you who wrote in. We'll have to leave it there for this week. But we love reading your messages. Keep them coming. And please remember to write in about Yuki in time for next week's show. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. One last thing before I go. The latest episode of F1 Nation is out now and it features Pedro de la Rosa and former race engineer Rob Smedley. We talk about Red Bull, Mercedes, Rob's former teams, Ferrari and Williams, and much more. Search for F1 Nation on your podcast app to give it a listen. And thanks for listening to the show. F1 Beyond the Grid is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out.